You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller, the infamous Drew. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. End Zone Infraction. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Zone 32 podcast. We got a full cast tonight. My name is Jake. That man's name is Drew. His name is Grant. His name is Will. And returning from the bowels of a bear because he was eaten about a year and a half ago. This man's name is Max. What's up to the people? Yeah, I would not recommend uh, going down the uh, esophageal tube of a bear and then trying to carve your way out. Uh, zero out of ten. Would not recommend. Sounds about right. He thought he could be Leo DiCaprio and just kind of wrestle with the bear. Then he got eaten in the process. That's not a good idea. Just, just don't do that. That's why he cut into the... I forget the animal. Was it a horse or a fucking cow or some shit or some kind of a steer and just hid in there overnight so he didn't freeze the revenant? That's a good movie. But yeah. Anyway, we got some things to get into. This dude from the Seahawks by the name of Bobby Wagner, he was cut from the team and he goes on yesterday to sign a five year, $50 million deal with the Rams worth possibly up to 65 million incentives with the Rams further proving that the salary cap is not real, or that if it's real, it can very easily be manipulated. So I'm going to start with Drew, because I like to start with Drew. Give me your thoughts on Bobby Wagner being a dickhead. Uh, You're 100% correct. Salary cap's a myth. It's not real. Anybody who tells you it's real is lying to you. Um, And fuck Bobby Wagner. I'm not as mad at him for going out and getting more money. I mean, like that's kind of a business move, but I just feel like we got used. Um, you know, was flirting with us on Twitter for, I don't know, it had to be like a solid week after he visited before he signed with um, the Rams. It is nice to be able to swear because I had to do that um, around the block podcast. I don't know if anybody watched that, but it, it's a clean podcast. That was the hardest hour of my life, not swearing. <laughs> so fuck, fuck Bobby Wagner. I didn't take the time. That's because I was at work at the time. Then I forgot after the fact. But Grant. Yeah, it made it a whole hour without swearing. Damn. I mean, I, I'll like, I could do that, but then I'd have to speak a little slower and then just not instantly go off the cuff and be like, hey, what the what the fuck, man? And just be fully authentic. I'd have to clean up my language for the virgin ears like I got to do when I work at the warehouse because they have very sensitive ears. Anyway, Grant, now that Bobby Wagner's gone, who would you like to see the Ravens acquire, whether it's a direct replacement to put someone next to queen it's a draft pick maybe nicobe dean or devin lloyd give me your thoughts on the matter and just round table it in y'all get it in i mean it's hard to tell at this point because i mean bobby wagner was a pretty big miss and i'm with drew on the fact that like i think it was a pretty big bitch move and i think it wasn't really directed from him i think it was directed from his camp like his his uh agent and shit because yeah, like the whole thing playing into the hand of the Ravens and like trying to get all that attention on Twitter and all that stuff only to drive the price up. But I think the Rams are going to give them that anyways. And, you know, like Drew said, you know, it, the cap is a myth. We've been beating that drum for God knows how long. They're, they got they extended Matt Stafford. They signed Allen Robinson. They signed Bobby Wagner. They're working on an extension for Aaron Donald. Like, what, what else are they going to get? But, you know, I respect that. They hustle. They know the game, and, like, the thing with the Ravens front office right now is they don't play the game. Like, there's a specific game with the salary cap. Everybody knows it's going up every season. So you kick the can down the road in a sense, but you're not at the same time because of the equal presence of the cap and the way that it's going up. And it's going to, in the next three years, it's going to jump out the roof. I mean, we've talked about that before with this new TV deal. So it's like, what are you doing? Quit sitting on your hands and shit. Now, I think he wasn't going to leave the West Coast anyways, and, you know, that's been talked about as well. As far as a replacement, you really can't replace Bobby Wagner. Like, you know, as far as, you know, a teammate, a leader, and what he still does performing on the field, he had 170 tackles last year, which is nuts, still performing at that level. So, I mean, you could look in the draft. There's some guys, like, you know, early on, like you said, Nicobe Dean, you know, Devin Lloyd, uh, some of the mid-round guys, like Troy Anderson's getting a lot of buzz. But, you know, I, I'm weary on those um, he's basically like the Taysom Hill of the defense. He's just an overachieving white dude in the middle of the field that plays real hard. Um, but, like, you can't necessarily know. that. I mean, Milton, I'm still a Malik Harrison fan. So, I mean, I think that, you know, if he comes back healthy, he's not going to sit there and be somebody that's going to drop down in coverage and do things, but he's going to be the boom leader. And we need somebody to capture What's that? Play after he got shot? No. Malik Harrison? Yeah, I don't think he's come mm-hmm. back from that yet, right? No. So, like, you know, I, I still have high hopes for him. You know, depending on 
LJ Fort situation. I mean, he's a good special teams locker room guy, situational, you know, middle of defense. But, you know, I think it's bullshit what Bobby Wagner did. You can't really replace something that wasn't there. Um, so, I mean, there's not much in free agency right now for the middle linebackers. So, I mean, I think that you're going to have to either look in the draft or pick up somebody post-June 1st cuts, which, you know, middle linebacker is one of those positions that, you know, you can you can fill it easier than a lot of other positions, but there's a huge gap between, you know, elite defenders in the middle and then, you know, just kind of everybody sustains the defense. Yeah, well, and I wonder, too, like a lot of people are mad at Takosa for not taking a shot on Bobby Wagner, but how much money were you going to have to give him to get him to go away from L.A. to come here? Like I'm um, again, I'm I'm all for getting on Tacosa's ass, saying that he's too, uh, you know, doesn't take a shot, doesn't manipulate the salary cap. But yeah. what shot has he missed on this year so far? I don't blame him for the Bobby Wagner thing. Yeah, the Bobby. Yeah, I feel I like people are holding against them. The, yeah, the Bobby point, Wagner which... thing was never going to pan out because how do you compete yeah. against? Uh, you got a veteran who um, he wants to win now. He wants to get paid. I mean, think about the, 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 the attractiveness of that L.A. deal. You get to go home, play in front of your family. You get to stay in the same division, play your former team twice a year, sometimes three times a year. I mean, and you get paid handsomely to do all that, and you get to play with superstars around you, and you're part of the defending Super Bowl champions. I mean, what realistic shot did we have in landing him? You're going to ask this veteran to come to a new division and a new conference against, I mean, let's let's – the rose tinted glasses aside, let's say the Bengals don't have a huge drop off and there is no Super Bowl hangover. You, you've got to play against a, an offense that is dynamic and explosive like Cincinnati. You've got Cleveland where if the rapist sees the field, I mean, he's had a year's worth of rest and all of a sudden he's firing all cylinders. And then Mitch Trubisky, he might pull a rabbit out of his ass and suddenly have a career renaissance. Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it were, I mean, you... If you're the average person, just the average civilian, and you're you're given the option of either you get this cushy situation and you get paid more to to do the same job and maybe a little bit easier, or you take less money to do a harder job, you're gonna take the easier job for more pay. So th- there was well, he, no shot in hell. He'd have to be but the man of Baltimore. Wagner, crab cakes for life. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that would be but no, in there. Bobby, yeah. Bobby Wagner would have to be the man of Baltimore. He doesn't have to be the man in, in L.A. And he's at the end of his career to where that's like a big point to it, plus the money. What is he? The th- he, I mean, he's probably the third, fourth best guy on that defense in L.A. Yeah, I mean, Leonard Floyd bought out last year. You got Aaron Donald. You got uh, Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, I mean, that's the thing with that they're doing too and that the Ravens used to do is stack levels on the defensive side of the ball. Like, you have a powerhouse on the defensive line. You have a powerhouse at the pass rusher. You have one powerhouse at the linebacker, one powerhouse in the secondary. You build through the levels, but you build inside out and from the, from the line back. And we haven't been doing that. And we have, but we haven't been hitting. So we're going to have to sign, re-sign Bynes, obviously, right? Have to. I mean, well, there's, so there's the no, yeah. who, who else is out there? I don't think there's really much in the free agency uh, for middle linebackers. Alexander. Alexander's I, the only. I'm a, fan, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of his though, but it depends what he's. he's it, yeah, I mean, he's he's. I think he's came back really slow from because didn't he have back to back ACLs? Um, I know he had back to back leg. I don't know if they were both ACL, but again, he's another guy. Like, can you trust him to play 17 games a year? I'm not sure. Probably not. A very good player on the field, but. I don't know if you want to throw money at a guy like him or LJ Ford or even Bynes, who are probably not going to be able to play a full season. Realistically, we're going to pursue a post-June 1st cut. That's usually the way we do it. If not that, then we'll pursue someone at the end of preseason. It is what it is, and it's not going to be a superstar. Very rarely Mm -hmm. do you see a big name hit the open market, and then they go on, they sign with a team week one, and then they play lights out. So you're going to get someone who's serviceable. At best, a number two in whatever slot you put them in. I guess um, there's a potential for a trade too. You know, we. I mean, this is true. We do have the ammunition. And EDC has always been more aggressive in trade than he has uh, in signing. So, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I'm not expecting anything, but what about uh, what's his face from Buffalo, Tremaine Edmonds? Would he be somebody that would be on the block potentially? Because isn't he up for his new contract? Yeah, but is Buffalo gonna give him to us? 
That's that's really where that boils yeah, down to. There's no history. Th there's no history there of being friendly trade partners with Buffalo, and that's going to be the key here. Is if you're going to get an in-conference trade to occur, it's got to be a team that you have prior relations with. Because I mean, especially with um, again the impending cap situation, that boost that we're going that the league's going to get based on the TV deal, um, they're going to want to try to hoard as much talent as possible, and then hope that you know these stars are going to be willing to resign and wait for that extra money to come in. But again, All the cap is a mess. So, look at what the Saints did: is they paid everybody, and for the most part, they really haven't lost anybody that they would want to hold on to. Maybe Marcus Williams, they didn't want to lose. I mean, I don't think they wanted to keep Armstead. He hasn't been healthy in a couple of years. They really haven't cut anyone. Drew Brees retired, but I don't, I don't call that a loss against their cap. So, I mean, every year they're routinely eighty million dollars over the cap before, you know, two weeks before the uh, league year starts, and all of a sudden they're thirty million dollars under the cap, and they don't lose anyone. And, and to clarify, twenty-one right now. That's crazy. Yeah. They did they did all that and they're twenty one million and everybody's gonna argue about cat. So to, to clarify the whole since Drew converted me into a cap truther, thank you for that, Drew. To clarify my stance on that, it's not that the cap isn't a thing that you know, it, it's not that it doesn't exist, it's that it is a construct that you can work around if you choose to. Especially if you have an owner who's willing to buy in. You have a team president who kind of knows how to work the numbers. Um, it's not as if it's impossible to make a splash move. It's just that you have to be willing to commit and you might have to give up assets along the way. Let guys walk if you need to, but know that you can replace them very easily. Right. The salary cap exists to save owners from spending money. Yeah. It gives the yeah. owners a, an excuse to not spend, you know, over the top every year. And it stops uh, Jerry Jones from, you know, basically buying the entire league. Plus, the casual fan will forget that there are other revenue streams than a formal NFL contract. I mean, NFL teams, they can help negotiate different deals, whether it's endorsements or other things. Plus, let's be real, there's plenty of money under the table that we don't know about and that no one ever says anything about. It's that, you know, that the worst kept secret in the league that players get paid under the table. Little things here. Lamar's going to own a court, you know, 25% of the Ravens by the time he signs his next contract. He should. Most I mean, definitely. that's just what's going to happen. Oh, no, and a guy we didn't name as far as um, free agent inside linebackers is Rashawn Evans. Oh, he's a free agent? Yeah. He is free agent. I didn't know he was either. I thought he was a restricted – or I thought he was a, like an exclusive rights guy or something. I don't like think that. so. I think he's I think he's UFA. Uh, he's a UFA. I'm signing him up. I wanted him in the draft when he was um, coming out of Bama. Like, again, just another guy that's uh, – Bama is an inside linebacker factor. Well, so him and I like Mac, Willi or Mac Wilson, but he's, he's a Patriot. Fuck Mac Wilson. Yeah, he had it's a down. Shit he had a down year, but uh, Evans. But you know, oh, happily take him. Right. Yeah, he, I mean, he's he's exact. He's the exact kind of player we need too. Yeah. Where you know he kind of just a secure tackler is going to fill the gaps for you. Uh, good enough in coverage. I mean, he's not a world beater in coverage, but mm -hmm. he can do everything that we would ask him to do. Another guy that uh, Tom will hate. You know, SEC player on the defense. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Tom and his SEC bias. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime that we uh, talk about any kind of SEC player, just know that, uh, what is this at? Thirst round pick? Thirst round pick. Get triggered by it. Yep. So I almost want to only draft SEC players from now on. I mean, just to get under that, 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 that does go in line with your uh, your thinking on other players. So Yeah, Ahmad Gardner. <laughs> he's got he's to awesome. earn the nickname. Just like Marquise has got to earn Hollywood, Ahmad Gardner's got to earn sauce for his nerd. Yeah, we'll give it some time for sauce or Ahmad or whatever but still we'll see how no it, time given that's fair that's I'm, gonna fair, you a no, I'm gonna get you a soft island t-shirt when he comes to the league and just ices down i am going to oh, print yeah. out every touchdown that he gives up like i'm gonna get it made into a poster and then when it's like 20 touchdowns at the end of the year i'm just gonna get them all like framed and sent to your house right. can, you, can you get him on a quilt can we do like a quilt pattern yeah but then i gotta sew I'm not allowed to touch sharp things without uh, adult supervision. Grant, so. if you if he does that, you're going to be real cold. I might want to cover my big toe. <laughs> uh, oh man, yeah, no, 100. Uh, whenever he gives up, you know, 40 touchdowns this year is like the worst corner known to man. <laughs> I will will happily have this discussion again. Just 40. Anywho, let's move on to this next subject: the draft, where things and stuff happen, and the Ravens have five fourth round picks now. We talked a little bit last week about who we might want to see get taken at pick 14. So let's move on past pick 14. And Grant, I'm going to roll with you on this. I'm going to start with you. Outside of Jermaine Johnson and K. 
Kayvon Thibodeau and the other popular edge rushers that are going to be taken early on the draft. Who do you like to see become? A, who would you like to see become a Raven after the first round? If we miss out on the first four top four edge rushers, quite frankly, I mean, there's a couple of really good options. I mean, I think the I think the edge rushers in this class are a little bit on the underrated side. It's pretty deep in this class, uh, but outside of first, I mean, you could start off with Ojobo. I mean, he probably he might fall with the injury, so the Achilles injury might push him. You never know. But um, I like Drake Jackson a lot out of USC. Uh, kind of a big end, run stopping guy. He's really athletic, lean. Kind of got like that Leonard Floyd build to him. Um, Amari Barno from Virginia Tech. Um, he's the one that he clocked the shot. Is like a four three six, which I'm not an underwear Olympics guy, but. Um, I watched him play North Carolina this year, and he was a problem. He was everywhere. He was defending the edge well, or setting the edge well. He was getting pass rush. He's long. He has a good bend to him. So, you know, he really impressed me, and I don't really understand what is really causing him to fall. Um, Boyle Mafe, he might sneak into the first, but he's getting a lot of uh, a lot of push for, um, you know, really talented kind of high-motor pass rusher. But if I had to pick, I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the Drake Jackson train. I like. I'm not really big on USC guys, but he's got a lot of he's got a lot of intangibles. I think he's got a high floor, which I look for a lot in edge rushers. Is who's got the highest floor? Um, you know, the ceiling is something that you never know if they're going to come up to or not. But you know, the floor is always going to be there. So I mean, he's somebody that I'll really go towards. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's about it for me that I know of. I don't want to really go any. Oh. Are we calling Leo Chino from um, Wisconsin an edge guy, or are we calling him an inside linebacker? I would say he's an inside because he even plays like almost like a strong safety role sometimes too. Yeah, he does a little bit of everything. He's got a little bit of that Swiss Army knife in him. I like him. I like uh, Zach Pascal from uh, Kentucky too. Uh, definitely a solid, you know, later pick, probably third, fourth round. Um, and then there is uh, who's the other kid from Penn State or? Uh, at a BK or something like that. I don't know how to say his name. He's got a very weird spelled name. Yeah, his first name uh, is Arnold, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, so I like him, and then I like uh, Tyreek Smith from Ohio State in the later rounds. That's, that that was painful to say out loud. See, I like him, though, too, but he's a tweener for me. Like, he's got a weird build. Like, he, Yeah, I, I feel like we need guys like that. I think Hayes, from uh, Dylan Hayes from Notre Dame last year, you know, that we drafted. I love him. And got there. I just feel like that's a guy that's going to step up and, you know, play more snaps this year. Um, he was good for, I, I think he played, you know, two games at the beginning of the year maybe, and then one yeah. at the end of the year. And he looked he looked good. He looked like he knew what he was doing. And, you know, Notre Dame kids typically figure it out in the pros. Yeah, I like I like him a lot. I think he's got he, – and he's a guy that they were talking about in camp that was another, like, high-motor, you know, like you could throw him on special teams and shit. He's just an all-around team dude. Well, he's just a guy who wants to hit people. Yeah. And that's really what defense. So in keeping with the draft discussion, but not necessarily about specific players, how weird does it feel that we're entering our 27th year and this is the first time in our team's history that we're not really worried about taking a wide receiver as our top three need? Like, Why? It, it's just, it, it feels odd. And the reason why I bring this up is there's, you know, fan chatter about, you know, do we trade for a receiver, a veteran receiver to shore up the group currently, Michael Thomas being one of the names. So I guess the question I'm posing to the group is, Michael Thomas, yes or no, and what's your price? What's that contract? 100%. What are the Saints going to eat on that contract? That's the biggest problem with him is that contract. There's a much better option. Mike Evans? There, is a, there are much better options, <laughs> no. I agree. Much better option. DK Metcalf is uh, yeah. on a rookie deal on, a, what was he, a third-round pick? So he's, I think he's making $3 bucks this year. So obviously we get him, we would immediately extend him. But that's value because we could get his salary down for this year to, I think, uh, under a million bucks, whatever yeah. it is, on a oh, rookie deal. I think we can get him like get him eight ninety five. I think we can get him down that low. I mean, he would I, to, he would be what we're missing. You team his his skill set up with Bateman. Bateman would be an all pro because right. of what he does on the outside and the what DK. Does. I mean, DK is that big physical. He's a tight end in the wide receiver's body. He just his contested catches. I mean, he just he's gonna body you, and right. we don't have that. Well, and also right now, as as it stands, we have Barquise Brown lining up outside where we should have him in the slot. So, I, I mean, I like Devin Duvernay's a good player. He's a good yeah. weapon to have, but he's not a guy we should be lining up in the slot every single t- time we, no. we go out there with th- three re- wide receivers. 
we, if we had Marquise Brown in that slot, I think he'd be much more productive. Maybe he wouldn't get and he shouldn't get the kind of target volume he gets, but I think he'd do more with the targets that he does get as long as he's not uh, you know, putting the ball in the grass as much as he has been. I also feel like he was getting – he got 147 targets last year because who else are you going to throw it to? Right. You know what I mean? like, your tight end is your, yeah. your ace, which, yeah, I mean, he's Mark great. Andrews is great. Yeah, he, he's amazing, but, like, you can't throw the ball 300 times to him a year. Bring me, no. George, bring me George Pickens. I don't give a shit how it happens or how it has to happen. Bring me George Pickens. And with the way this offense is structured, run-based or not, I mean, you don't need two 1,000-yard wide receivers on your roster. No. You at least need someone, though, who's going to help pick up the slack should Bateman go down with another injury or should he not be as effective his sophomore year. Um, Duvernay's not going to be a 1,000-yard receiver, and that's fine. We don't need him to be. Uh, Whatever Marquise. he was last year is what we need from him. We need him exactly. to do that again. So I point well, what to... Is, what if Lamar is in 2000 or 2019? He had 36 touchdowns. There was no 1,000-yard receivers that season, was there? There no, was no, I no. So, I mean, so I think 700 was the top guy. So, I point to Bateman's first, what was it seven catches all went for first downs? We need a right. chain mover to complement Bateman because the, the fact of the matter is, you know, despite Bateman missing most of his, his rookie year, at the same time, there's going to be a wall he's going to hit eventually. Either teams will figure him out or he's going to slow down or whatever it is. But regardless of that, whether or not he hits that wall, you're going to need options. Again, Pickens is going to be a great you know, backup option to Andrews, a great compliment there because two tight end sets and you know jumbo packages, I mean, that's our bread and butter. Um, I don't see the need per se to grab a superstar, whether via trade or free agency at wide receiver. But I do think that that's a position that will need to be addressed because it will be in flux next couple of years because we have to decide what we want to do with Marquise. Jay, Jay, kick him out. Kick kick Max out. Yeah, get him out. He's out. out. I'm I'm on the first round wide receiver uh, bandwagon if, if, you know, like a Traylon Burks is there or something like that. I mean, the thing is, is that we've spent our entire franchise history going out and signing the Sammy Watkins of the world going out and signing the Jeremy Macklins of the world, you know, Michael Crabtree, John Brown. I mean, I can name all these names to you, and sometimes they work. Sometimes you hit a Steve Smith. Sometimes you pull an Anquan Bolden who's coming off a ton of injuries, and he worked out great for a couple of years there. But, you know, we don't, we've never had that bona fide number one guy. We we tried one time, and bitch-ass Terrell Owens decided that he wanted to go play for Donovan. <laughs> play with Donovan McNabb instead of playing for us. Like, you know, he can go fuck himself. And then, he, he, and then the he did the very limit. Yeah, yeah, he you know he can go fuck himself, but again, like we need that guy. And you talk about Bateman hitting a wall. Bateman doesn't hit a wall if there's a legitimate third target there. I don't want to see the fucking midget lining up outside ever again. No, I mean that guy gets seventy five percent of his production from the slot anyway. Why the fuck are we even wasting our time making him run a fly route on the sideline? When well, he did, fight he, for the he, ball. right. He doesn't. There's no contested. You can't throw a fifty fifty ball to Marquise Brown. It's just it, yeah, it's he's fucking five foot two. Right, like he's not going to catch it. People would like give me shit and we, we were joking about, but I forgot who it was. Since it was Thomas, I think, might have said something to me about it. But I was like, Hollywood Brown is just him and McCall Hardman are the same player. Actually, McCall, McCall Hardman might be better because he doesn't fall down as soon as he catches the ball. He actually tries to get yards after the catch. But I mean, you look at their numbers, they're identical. They're identical numbers. Hollywood Brown doesn't fight for the ball, doesn't fight for yards. I mean, again, you look at it, he had 77 targets. He had 35 catches for 325 yards and no touchdowns over the last eight games last year. Like, he literally quit, and then he had the balls to go on his Instagram afterwards and fucking celebrate a 1,000 yards. Like, that is not the guy that I want getting legitimate targets. Yep. And he's not efficient. I want him to be Deshaun Jackson. I, yeah. I think that's his That's his role. And, I, you know, before the year I was pissed off, we talked about picking up his uh, fifth-year option. Now that Christian Kirk's getting $21 million a year, whatever fucking ridiculous number he got. That's crazy. Hollywood at 13 looks good. But again, we need another guy, and it, it can't be a Sammy Watkins. It can't no. be a Jeremy Macklin. It can't be a guy who's not going to work out here. You know, like, you, you got to hit on that. We've made Lamar suffer with fucking Seth Roberts and Willie Sneed for long enough. Chris Moore. Like, you need another and if healthy too i mean will fuller is another option that would be pretty intriguing because he might be on a pretty team-friendly deal with incentive base because of so his injuries the only problem with will fuller is every time someone says if healthy if healthy and then every year without yeah. fail he never is he's right. never played more than 11 games yep. find that contract make the contract that way 
but I'm then, surprised he even double digits. We need so the, him on the field, though, yeah? Yeah, and that's the problem yeah. is he's going to basically be what Sammy Watkins was to us. The difference is more talented, but if he doesn't play or if he disappears, then there's no point in having him. But that's what you said for us to just go get, is to go get some veteran guy. I mean, if you're going to go with a veteran option, there is a name sitting out there that Will and I have been fucking three years pounding the table for, Antonio Brown. He has a like, cousin on the team. Yeah, I am a little bit I mean, nervous we, though because you see his comments the other day where he said, you know, all these guys are, he sees all these guys getting paid, and rightfully so, his production has not trailed off when he's you know on a team yeah, when he's in on the field, lineup. He's so he's wondering why he's not getting paid like everybody else. I mean, we know why, but uh, you know, it, you got to get somebody to go to him. You got to get somebody to walk up. You know, whether it's Lamar, whether it's Hollywood, I don't know who it would be, and say, look. You give us 17 games, you don't be a fucking asshole, and you're going to get paid, and whether it's by the Ravens or whether it's by somebody else. If he plays one full year without some fuckery going on, like he's going to get paid. And again, I talk about this all the time, he has never been wrong. He reacts to being wronged very poorly, but again, Pittsburgh has gone to shit since he left. They never should have linked their bandwagon to Juju. Like, that's very clear. I mean, he's gone, and they, they picked Juju over Antonio Brown. That was a terrible mistake. I, I mean, maybe. Ayok and Gruden are both gone in LA or Las Vegas, wherever the they were yep. Oakland, I think, at the point. They were you know, again, Oakland at the, the time. Door. Um, he only played one game for the Patriots, and, you know, he did the stupid thing of uh, adding the girl to that text message group and threatening her family. Like, you know, not not a wise move, but fine. And then Bruce Arians got forced out. You know, Tom Brady retired because he didn't want to play for Bruce Arians. So Antonio Brown is usually not wrong. He's a little bit crazy, and if you can keep him in line, I also like the idea that Antonio Brown may actually kill Greg Roman. So that that would be another positive. <laughs> if there is a player who's going to go up into the booth mid-game and beat the fuck out of Greg Roman for a shitty play calling, it'll be Antonio Brown. So I see no downside to bringing him in and giving him a shot. Obviously, you're not going to give him a ton of guaranteed money. You're going to give him a one-year deal and something you can get out of if he goes nuts. But I, if you don't want to go the you know high-priced wide receiver, give up you know legitimate draft capital for one, he's got to be your move. I, I see him as a short-term rental, but the best possible short-term rental. And I'm okay with that because he's put himself in a position where he doesn't really have any leverage anyway. So yeah. say he does implode and off-the-field stuff comes up or he just simply quits again, it is what it is. You cut him and yeah. move on. Big fucking deal. Plus, there's the bonus of if this creates tension between him and Marquise and we decide to say bye-bye to both of them, oh, well, it is what it is. Good Good, Marquise. Get him the fuck off my team, too. Tell me to go play video games. <laughs> Let me be right on that one. I'm straight. Now, <clears throat> actually, I agree with y'all about Antonio Brown, though. Personally, if I had a choice to go after a receiver in free agency for a modest sum, but not too much, it would probably be one of the homegirls, either OBJ or Jarvis. Though, OBJ's a little worrisome because tore his knee up twice against the Bengals. So, and he's really having the ACL tears, so... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm uh, I would take Odell too. I'd be happy with that signing. I just I I don't know if that works. Um, I, I don't know if he's willing to take a one year contract. Is the thing, and I don't know if I'm. He's not going to be able to play till December. Well, yeah, that's the other yeah, thing. So I, don't, exactly. I don't know if we have the patience to wait for him to heal up should his rehab go poorly. But I mean, we'll see. I mean, these athletes. I mean, they they project you know ridiculous recovery times, and they come back even quicker. I mean, especially modern medicine the way it is. So who knows? Did you see the drills that uh, Jamison Williams was doing for Alabama at their pro day two months yep. after his ACL? That's nuts. I want to know who his doctors are. Oh, the amount of drugs that kid was on running out there, he probably couldn't feel his leg. Probably. But again, like fucking, you know, juice him up before every game and it's fine. They said by the draft he'll be running. Yeah, good. That's uh, crazy. I mean, I mean I, that's another guy that I would take if he's there in the second round. Like that's that's a guy that I would look at. Um, we got all these Ohio I, State fans saying that he's not that good because he couldn't beat out Olave and Garrett Wilson, but I don't know. Jameson Williams can ball. Well, and Olave and Garrett Wilson didn't beat out the guys in front of them. They just were patient. So yeah. Ohio State's a very weird program with uh, younger guys that end up transferring and doing well somewhere else because it, they just seem to have this very much a uh, a freshman you know doesn't doesn't uh, compete you know doesn't compete for a starting job doesn't fill that starting role. Joey Burrow. So, yeah. Well, fuck him. Uh, again, yeah, Max talking about they're not going to fall off a cliff. I didn't forget that. Joe Burrow is going to fucking suck this year. Oh no, no, no. I'm not saying uh, they're not going to fall off a cliff. I'm just saying let's they, say let's say Super Bowl hangover for whatever reason they're immune to it, which I highly fucking doubt. But you know, I have never seen a more cocky fan base over one winning season. This was their first winning season since 2015, and you would think that they've won 12 games every year 
and have made the Super Bowl and been on the cusp of winning every year. I never they're bragging, about, they're bragging about winning those two games last year, and they uh, lost seven of the previous eight to us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we had, there was an idiot in, uh, in Will's mentions talking about, like, uh, you know, oh, we beat you. Try to beat us by, you know, or try to lose by less than 20 to us next year. I was like, we beat you by 93 points in the previous three games combined. Like, let's let's tone it down here. Like, let's, has let's remember you, Lamar has your team on a highlight reel for life. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, yeah, that, that he is Houdini. Kevin Harlan call will never go away. Can no, we just get Kevin Harlan to call every single game of ours? Like, can yeah, we do please. something with CBS? Just like, hey, we'll pay you extra to pull him from all his other assignments just for every Sunday. And help Mondays on ESPN, Thursdays on whatever network has Thursday Night Football now. Just yeah. every single game. That, yeah, we're Tony Romo and Kevin Harlan. We'll, we'll start that, to go uh, funny. That he is Houdini. Like, and I, like his voice just rings in my head. The he is Houdini. It's like, oh, okay. I, I love Kevin. I love him in basketball. He is one of the few oh, yeah. that I love watching in any sport. I mean, he is just he, he is an electric announcer. And he's Wait, one that gets undue shit on the internet. I'm trying to get Charles Barkley to come announce a game for CBS. That would be fucking that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Barkley trying to call a football. Oh game. my god, that'd be like musty TV. Oh, we were talking actually me and my but maybe my old roommate were talking the other day. Because we used to watch, like, when he first came on, like, NBA TNT and shit. And I'll never forget, they used to fuck with him so bad. There was one time where, like, he had his, like, suit jacket on his blazer and shirt and everything. And Kenny's like, pan around, pan around, pan around. And he, Chuck's going, no, 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 no. And they pan around. And he had on basketball shorts and basketball shoes, but a blazer on up top hiding behind the thing. And then they had his birthday party. And they had, like, everybody in the back. And it was, like, in backstage. And they wouldn't let him in to his own birthday party. Did you see the Skip Bayless thing with him? No. Where uh, Bayless went on his podcast and said that his wife, Ernestine, was worried for his life because Charles Barkley keeps threatening him on air. <laughs> Like, could you imagine that guy calling football games talking about how he wants? Uh, they, they, Skip Bayless played a clip before he started talking about Ch- Charles Barkley saying that if he got COVID, he wants to go sit in the same room as Skip Bayless, so Skip Bayless dies of COVID, <laughs> and that's what like triggered the entire thing. He has like, he just... has to sit on the Booger McFarland cart. There's no way that he's sitting up in the top booth. You gotta put him on the Booger McFarland cart. And let him just get sideline to sideline, just coasting. Actually, thinking about it now, I want a Chuck cast. Instead of the Manning cast on Monday nights, I just want Charles Barkley sitting by himself, just fucking stream of consciousness, talking about whatever comes into his head. That would be amazing. <laughs> that shit with KD, too, where KD like, gave him the one word answer. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would be amazing. They, they, they need to start doing more stuff like that for games, where they just put people who don't belong in a football booth, but would be entertaining. I would love that. I think they tried that back in, was it, 99 2000 on abc with fucking al michaels dan fouts and dennis miller see that was different though they tried to have them be serious about it i want people on there who are not serious about covering the game at all and they're just bullshitting like we're bullshitting like that's infinitely more entertaining because fact the matter is monday night after a long day at work i'm not trying to hear somebody talk to me about the virtues of cover zero in this certain blitz package in this certain down and distance like no i I don't care about that i just want to hear somebody just talk to me like i'm right in front of you just bullshitting say some stupid shit that might get mean later i mean you know i want to have fun with it there there's a place for that you know there's a place for serious analysis like we were talking about last week with all the fake twitter analysts and grant got into it with uh the chicken man this week but you know again these fucking losers who sit on twitter and they pretend like they're serious football analysts, and it's like, you're just, you're not. You're an okay. asshole like we are. Yeah. yeah and you, and, that's what, like and what pissed me off with that dude was, is like, I don't know who, he, he showed up on my timeline somehow about, he was like taking a hiatus, and he needed to get his mental health or whatever in check. And the first thing you fucking do when you come back is try to criticize other fans. Like, well, you're going to get heat for it, stupid. Like, right. And, you know, again, he was taking a shot at Chibs, and right. I'm not going to and like shy away from that but uh, it was 100 percent talking about chips tweeted out a uh you know something that he thinks is a pretty solidified rumor and you know talking about every fan who tweets out the eyeball emojis doesn't know what they're talking about and it's like okay yeah i mean i tweet out the eyeball emojis and i fucking stir up drama all the time too like i'm i'm not i'll you tell know, you talking. what i tweet out the fox emoji and i do know what i'm talking about there yeah exactly but like you can talk about and then he gets all banana <laughs> shape of grand- He's like, the chickens knew my kid's name. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, dude? 
<laughs> he walks him on leashes and they go. Yeah, I come on, like, sit there a lot. Hey, I mean, you can't, joke, you, can't joke, sit on joke. you can't sit on Twitter and get fucking that upset over God. what goes. He you know, said, like, what kind of cold, what kind of cold, I said, wait a minute, so then I was trying, I mean, legitimately, I was initially talking about his takes, and then I was just making fun of him, but I think he thought that the chicken boy nickname was from that, but he's just chicken boy, because he, like, talks about his chickens like he fucks them, like. Yeah, I mean, you, you, your fucking dinner is not a pet, like, let's, let's relax here. Also, he said that blocked. the chickens, the chickens jump up on his children's laps. Yeah, is that, am I Does he let the chickens in the house? Yeah, right. No. Like, what the fuck? They they make you eggs and you fucking turn them into like you know chicken. Later. You eat like, their you eat. children. Yeah, and, and like, then and then, and then he tried to like have like a snarky like finishing move, but it blocked me, so I couldn't respond. Like, oh. <laughs> Good one, oh, there, buddy. Is, people who do that drive me up a fucking. They gave wall. you the peace one, sign emoji. You did yeah, they gave me the peace sign emoji that makes some fucking backhanded comment to you, and then they block you, so you can't respond to them. It's like oh, that's it. Fucking Jerry yeah. Coleman blocked me. I didn't even say anything. I'm just like to tweet that Chips tweeted out and fucking DM me like wave clown face emoji block. Like, then, okay. Oh god. Oh, and then, I remember, yeah. and then, Chips, and then Cole got confused because I said chicken too many times apparently, but I only said it twice. Cole is a friend of the program because he admitted that I'm great at trolling, so we have to be nice to him. And I wasn't even trying to troll, so I was like, well, all right, cool, yeah, we know Drew can troll, but I wasn't trying to troll. I'm being serious about Chicken Boy. Well, yeah, I mean, you start off with seriously questioning his takes of, like, you know, like, who the fuck are you to call out people and say that they're fake analysts, and then it turned into him getting upset about chickens. Well, yeah, and all I mean, we that's need all to, I was trying to say. Yeah, who, who chimed in? Cole. The, Cole. The old, no, no. Who, who else chimed in? The ultimate fake analyst. Well, I, I didn't even see which one? Who do you think? The ballerina. Yeah, they, oh, she they, who's oh, the I, didn't, oh, well, I, can't, I couldn't see that. I saw something with the two of them, but they both had me blocked. So the two of yeah, them no, ganged so, up on Chibs, but, but well, not it, two Chibs, of thing, course. They wouldn't tag The new thing with the Super Follows is, is fucking absurd. Imagine paying money for her inside takes that <laughs> no. she has none. I mean, like, come on. Like, let's be real here. Like, I can sit here and fucking scroll through Twitter and find what the hot gossip is and tweet that out and pretend like I know what's going on. I, I mean, guarantee you Chibs has more sources than she does. I guarantee you he does. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. I mean, again, she has half a Twitter block. She can't read half of the hot gossip going on. Yeah, read period. Yeah. Yeah, no, my, I mean, my new my new move of, you know, just fucking I look at something, some opinion somebody tweets and reported as news. Like, that's what she does. Except for I'm doing it on purpose, and I tag the person to get them in trouble. He's I mean, another gotta, one, though, that blocked me and I've never interacted with either. Yeah, but that's because of me, or because of Will, or just because of your association with us. Yeah. I'm positive she went through my following list and blocked everybody on it. Like, Probably. Like, would not me. I mean, Probably. there are people that... A lot of energy. Know in real life ...that have a Twitter account that follow me that have never tweeted in their lives, and she's blocked them. So it's it's got to be... i got to be the common link here, so... Yeah, it's just I a weird level. the whole blocking. I mean, like, I don't know, man. I, I I just it would take a lot for me to block somebody. I really don't give a fuck enough to like. That's like the whole thing with Chicken Boy. Like, you know, cool, you blocked me. Congratulations, you give me a peace sign. Awesome for you, but your takes your takes still suck, and you're a really bad chicken dad. So I mean, like, there's I mean, there's not much to give there. I'm not trying to troll you or anything. Like, you're sitting here criticizing other people for what they say or get excited about a free agent, motherfucker. You're never right. So never an animal killed by a fox. So he I'm said Chris Westry was CB three. That, that <laughs> Tyler Huntley throws the best deep ball on the team and one yeah, of the Tyler, best deep balls he's seen. And, and, and I will and I will say this, Tyler Huntley. I, I he's you know I like him as our backup. His absolute worst attribute is his deep ball. Absolute worst. Hundred percent. That is the that is his biggest weakness. Not, I mean, let's let's be real here. Like you know, people talk about. You know, oh, Lamar could walk and we could, you know, play Huntley out on his $2 million a year contract and put on him. And it's like, he was 1-5 in five last year as a starter. Right. And his one win was against the fucking Bears. That's not even really winning. That's like And that game should have been a loss. I mean, that, we had no awful. business winning that game. Right. I, and again, I'm glad we have him as a backup because it's like we have, uh, it's, you know, there's playbook uh, continuity. If Lamar gets hurt in-game and he has to come in for a couple series, whatever, that's fine. He's obviously not a solution. So, but so anyone who says he he throws the best deep ball, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. 
Uh, if you watch any game that he played this year, every deep ball he threw was a fucking liability. Every single was one. The, what was the game where it would have been a it would have been a game winner, but he overthrew him? Was it Packers? It was, that was one when he came in for Lamar, wasn't it? I think so. Uh, no, so the Packers, the Packers, he underthrew the ball. What right. was he? Yeah. Like, oh, Hollywood done this. But there was a I game believe. when he came in for Lamar. I guess it must have been the uh, was the, Browns, the Browns game. The Browns game where he Second came in. Yeah, and he had Marquise on like a an out and up on a double yeah, move, yeah, yeah. and naked. he completely missed him. Completely yeah. missed him. But he did that in the playoff game against Buffalo too. He overthrew Marquise on like three touchdowns that game. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure Marquise would have caught it because he's a dickhead and drops touchdown passes all the time. But again, like, true. was wide open. So true. you yeah. you got to make that throw as an NFL quarterback. There were throws a spot, that he missed. He, yeah, he, he's a spot guy. He'll come in and you know we don't have to change anything. But no, he's not a solution. He's not a you can't let Lamar Jackson walk because we have Tyler Huntley. Uh, no, know. I mean, and again, there are people who it's the same thing as our friends who had the uh, Jacoby Brissett take of, you know, the Browns were going to install a goal line package for Jacoby Brissett because he's black. So they think he's a mobile quarterback. It's the same thing with Huntley. If people see a black quarterback that runs fast and they think he can be Lamar Jackson. It, it's and, the I same. mean, and Huntley is much closer to Lamar Jackson than uh, Jacoby Brissett is, is to any is, mobile quarterback. He's not mobile at all. He's like Iron I'm Lefty. much, <laughs> I'm much closer to Lamar Jackson than Jacoby Brissett is. Right. Brissett yeah. averages three yards a carry. I looked it up after that because I was curious. I was like, am I? It was the same thing. Uh, Stephen A. Smith when Dwayne Haskins came out did the exact oh, yeah. same thing. Was like, you know, talking about Haskins being a mobile quarterback. I, but I went looked at Brissett's running stats, and they're not good. He's not a running back. No, he's, he's not a running back. No. Yeah, uh, it's just the same, you know, stupid Twitter drivel of people talking shit that have no idea what they're talking about. All right, Again, I have Tyler a well, Okay, so yeah. do you remember, you knew the telephone game where, like, you sit next to people and you're in elementary school and you sit in a line, somebody whispers something and you see what it comes out at the end? That's what Raven's Twitter is like. Somebody, like, some of these fake analysts will do some bullshit analytical take on a draft prospect or a free agent or something within the system and they don't know what they're talking about, but then somebody that follows them that like one of their little kind of minions, and it just is like a nonstop snowball effect. And it's like, now you have a whole bunch of people sharing a bunch of shit that doesn't make sense. Now I get it. Everybody has their own opinions. It's cool. None of us were wrong. You know, a lot of times too, not by any means saying that we're perfect, but like we're right a lot more than anybody else is. All right. I got a hypothetical for everybody. Now that we we we're talking about Tyler Huntley is clearly not a solution for us when we have any sort of uh, you know long term Lamar Jackson absence in the hypothetical world where the Cleveland Browns cannot find a trade partner and Baker Mayfield refuses to play for them and they cut him we should sign him because he's already going to make his money he's going to collect the entirety of his guaranteed money Baker Mayfield as a backup quarterback. Every single team should jump at the opportunity to have him as their backup quarterback. He's won as games. Long as, as long as he'd rather be a backup quarterback for the Ravens than just sit out a year, I'm in on that. I mean, because the thing is, like you said, I'm not tied to Huntley long-term. He's not a long-term solution. So right. if you can get anything of value back for him in a trade, and you can go fill his shoes with a UDFA, you can pick up a Baker Mayfield. I mean, fuck, you could even, if Kaepernick's girlfriend didn't call Ray Lewis a slave, like I'd be okay with bringing in Kaepernick as our backup quarterback. Yeah, the issue. I was, I was good with him interviewing until all that shit happened because he was in Baltimore when that shit happened, and they said nope. Well, so no, the, he, the issue of Mayfield has always been not necessarily that he lacks a skill set; it's that he's not fit for that first overall pick billing. He's not playing to the level that you would expect for that kind of you know draft equity, um, and he has petered out in big games. He still has that reputation, but as a backup, I mean, you'd be stupid not to jump on someone like that because he has shown flashes of brilliance and that's all you need a, a good backup. So I, I'll point to, and this is going to be a controversial take potentially with older Ravens fans. Oh, six, when McNair went down with the injury and Kyle Bowler came in and won the game that won the division, Bowler played fine. Bowler's a serviceable backup. He was already damaged goods as a starter. But as a guy who's going to come in and be a game manager and reasonably protect the football and give you a decent chance of winning one or two games, that's all you really ask for out of a backup. For Huntley to go one and five, I mean, that was a very long stretch to ask for a guy who's likely going to be a career backup. Yeah, yeah. So well, remember, I remember what Baker did his, his rookie year. He came yeah. in, what, after six or seven games, and he, they, what were they, one and five or one and six? And he, yeah. the rest of the way, it, that, it was they, a Jets game. Won. It was like a Thursday night five game against two the Jets or, or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he, I mean, so that's kind of a position. And like, he likes to think of himself as like a, some sort of underdog walk on mentality, all this bullshit. So him going and getting a backup job and having an opportunity to present itself, I think is in his best interest. So anyway, I don't yeah. think we get him anyway, because I think like right now, I don't think Tennessee has any backup. I think they have one quarterback no. on their roster. So they're going to, if, if he becomes available, they may even trade for him. Who knows? I, I mean, at that, at that, number i don't know if they will but well, and the he, thing he makes baker a lot too, of sense but the thing with baker too is is can anybody in in this podcast right now say that they thought he was the best quarterback in that draft and the number one oh. pick overall Hell like no. I, I i thought there was he a was chance that the ravens pick. might get him at, yeah I, I mean i thought that there would be a chance the ravens might get him at 16 i was like you know what that might be somebody to bring in like you know i liked him i liked him at oklahoma he's gritty he wasn't afraid to take the ball or you know shoot the ball down the field. You know he he he's fearless. And sometimes in this NFL, you need that gunslinger. And he's he he was that gunslinger. But when he went yeah. first overall, I was like, what the fuck? You know, I mean, everybody knows exactly who when he was coming out. You know who he reminded you of? Johnny Menzel. Yeah. Johnny Menzel. <laughs> right. And so everybody knew what was going on. Like, so if you got a guy that reminds you that much of a guy who is it a complete disaster? I mean. You got to stay oh, away from him. Certainly not in the first round. Manzo was a disaster not because of the physical talent. Manzo was a disaster because of the mental. And people thought that Baker Mayfield had the mental over Manzo, which he does, but it's not good enough to be a legitimate starting NFL quarterback. Right he, he has the mental in a different way. I mean, you know, yeah. he, he still has a weird there, – there, there's a mentality with him that I think holds him back because, again, like he has this stupid idea that he's like some sort of underdog and it makes him look like an idiot. You can't go first overall – and win the Heisman. He was he won the Heisman, right? Yeah, yeah. he won the Heisman. I, yeah, I don't yeah, mind yeah. The, the the underdog walk on shit. Just don't post it. That's that's my problem with it. Is that if you if that's what motivates you behind closed doors, feel free. You can think whatever the fuck you want. Just don't be posting, you know, well, walk on story like that. He already over football. he already overcame that. Like that was a, a <laughs> yeah, storyline yeah. for him early on in his you know collegiate career. But you got to move past that. Now he is an underdog, though. Now he can have that underdog mindset. But yeah, it's, yeah, maybe it's, that. It's, it's kind of the equivalent of like someone like Jay Z or Fifty Cent trying to rap about struggling and all that, and yet they've yeah. been insanely wealthy for decades now. Um, I think that the, the deal with Baker is quite honestly, had he been drafted in the second or third round, I don't think we'd be having quite as harsh of a conversation about him and an assessment of him. But it, because he was a first overall pick with the expectations that come with that and with all that they invested in him. Uh, right. There, there, there's no reason that he should be thinking, one, he's an underdog, and that, two, uh, quite frankly, he's going to have to work his way back up into a starting job, and he needs to accept that right now. Because if the Colts had wanted him, they would have gotten him right off the bat. Too bad. So sad. Seattle doesn't have a quarterback. Yeah, the fact so, that Seattle's right. entertaining Colin Kaepernick behind the scenes, that right there tells you what they think of Baker Mayfield. Right. Okay, right. but if you're Seattle, so Colin Kaepernick comes to your team, um, you're going to sell out all of your PSLs. You're going to sell out every game. You're going to sell billions of dollars worth of jerseys from people who don't watch football. Baker Mayfield doesn't have that effect on your team. And realistically, Seattle can, is going to punt this year. I mean, they're not going to compete yeah, in the NFC West. Kaepernick's such a perfect fit for that city. I mean, like he's everything fits there. So I mean, it makes total sense. Maybe he, yeah. maybe he, he revives his career. Good for him. Maybe not. They, they're they're in a position where they can miss on quarterback and not really be fucked as a franchise yeah. if they take Kaepernick for a year. Especially in that it's division too. That that division. Yeah. I mean, everyone's expecting the Rams to be competitive still. And with the Niners, uh, whether or not they go with Jimmy G or Trey Lance, they don't really need their offense to do much more than protect the football. That's the other thing holding in Arizona. Baker Mayfield back is Jimmy G's availability. Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield are basically the same quarterback, but Jimmy G doesn't have the mental baggage with him. So I would take looking, Baker over Jimmy G any day. I mean, I would too, but same. I'm saying that if you're like if you're like the Colts, you know, does it does it really matter which guy you go after at this point? Because they just traded a shit ton for Matt fucking Ryan. Well, Matt Ryan is is I mean, I think he he lapped both those guys. He's He's this thing is, is I think, he can play. And, and you saw Darius Leonard's reaction too. And like, I think a lot of the players are tired of the Colts bringing in these one year old quarterbacks. Like, you know, they're coming in, signing these one year deals. And Darius Leonard, when they did the trade for Matt Ryan, he's like, here we go again. Like, you know, at, at some point, that continuity needs to happen. And, and it's hard to, 
be a young team like the Colts are right now and substantially build yourself, but at the same time, your biggest revolving door of a position is the most important position on the field. Yeah, but don't you yeah, think – okay, so Matt Ryan's old. Matt Ryan is old. What is he, 37? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. he's old. Uh, yeah, he's old. Has he show, I don't know that he's shown any sign of physical decline. I mean, I think a lot of his uh, – His arm strength is down a lot. Yeah, his arm strength is not quite what it was. Okay. I mean, but, you know – Very, very minimal, but he, he's shown some. Yeah. I th- yeah, but, you know, I think there's also – there's ways to compensate for that too. I mean, but Matt Matt Ryan is not – like you're bringing it like Philip Rivers when they brought him in. Philip Rivers was before he ever went there was uh, he shouldn't have been playing anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So absolutely. Matt Ryan is not the same. Carson Wentz was I don't know. I mean that was Frank Reich went out on a limb for him and that backfired. was in on the Carson Wentz thing. You got a pillhead dorky kid who you know acquired the team from his dad who owns that team who's like. Oh, Carson Wentz. I know that name. Yeah, I'll pay for him. Right. And like, it's 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 a double edged sword. Of Jim Irsay is willing to go spend money on a name that he knows, but the problem is sometimes the names that he knows are not the players that he remembers. Right. Yeah. I think you know, Matt Ryan Wentz, there is going to be uh, more successful than the, the last two guys, and I think that they could get three years out of him. I mean, I, I don't yeah. see Matt Ryan like planning on retiring tomorrow. So I don't think it's like he's going to have. A lot of it depends on Taylor, too. Is Jonathan Taylor healthy, and is he the same running back he was last year? If he was, then I think Matt Ryan's fine. Well, and Matt Ryan is going somewhere where they have a great offensive line. So if you're a 37-year-old quarterback, that's that's a a situation that works really well for you. And it's such a huge upgrade for him from what he's been dealing with in Atlanta. Where It's just such turmoil there. So I don't know. I think Matt Ryan is a good fit there. Much better than he any of the other guys. After twenty-eight-three, anyway. I mean, that wrecked yeah. that franchise. I mean, they probably, I mean, arguably, they got a top-five offensive line and a top-five running back. So, I mean, right, and they have a good defense. Good. Yeah, very. And good they have defense. good wide receivers. They have good wide receivers. They, I think, they still are going to end up signing Julio Jones. Not that that like changes a whole lot, but uh, I think adding him to that group, it's it's a pretty good group of receivers. And Pascal over in a brief What's it that? never hurts having it never hurts having Julio Jones. No, it doesn't. Did, did Pascal sign back there? Or is he still out there? We no, he signed. He signed with uh, Philly. No, not Philly. Um, where did he sign? He signed with Arizona. He signed somewhere. Yeah, he signed, and he got. Yeah, I, remember we talk, I remember we talked about him. Yeah, he was a good, but again, Christian Kirk broke the wide receiver market. So then all these guys who were kind of like mid tier in our eyes got way too much money. And he signed for the, he signed with the Eagles. Yeah. And I actually, if you, I think if you run it back last episode, I said he was going to sign with us or the Eagles, didn't I? You, you said that that was a guy that you would look at for us to sign, but that you thought that somebody else would come up and you know snag him from us. So I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be somewhere in the ninety five quarter because he's a local Maryland guy. I think I said the. The Ravens. You were talking about him and uh, Nassib being uh, local guys. And yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yeah, that's right. I mean, I'd take a look at him in a second too. Yeah, bring him in for. I mean, we talked about that too. I mean, it would. Why? Why not? We're in no position to be saying no to pretty much anybody. There's besides quarterback, there is no position that I'm 100 percent confident kicker. in. On our kicker, roster. And kicker, and yeah. kicker. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't get this whole perception from Ravens fans that people are like begging to come here because they're not and realistically they haven't been for years so like this you know kind of assumption that you know players are knocking down the door because of ray lewis used to play here and ed reed used to play here and we've got two super bowls that were you know not even within the last now decade so it's like that that whole kind of misconception drives me fucking nuts sometimes too yeah I think our generation forgets that we're a decade removed from the days of Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. And even then, Ray Lewis a decade ago was not the player that he was only a few years before then. So it's like no. you, you you take that nostalgia and you let it blind you. The fact of the matter is we are not an attractive team, especially for defensive players. We haven't been in quite some time. Um, the inconsistent playoff success also is a factor there, too. Plus, who wants to play in cold weather in November, December? Who wants to play in this division and who wants to play against the the caliber if you're an offensive player play against the caliber of defenses that you know pittsburgh somehow ekes out every so often uh what cincinnati had last year etc and so forth i mean bottom line is this if you're gonna choose going back to the bobby wagner thing for a second you're gonna choose to play in the nfc west in sunny la you know in that brand sure. new stay there stadium versus here yeah you're gonna you're gonna take la west coast all the time yeah, see, and I, I mean, I'm I'm different. You know, it's warm for you guys in the winter down there compared to for me. 
And so I'm looking at you guys of like you get I can wear shorts, you know, almost year round in Baltimore at 50 degrees. I can't do that. Here. <laughs> but that's because I'm a pussy. 50 so, yeah. degrees. Where are you? Well, 50 degrees. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm telling you, I, I wear I wear, I wear an Under Armour shirt and a fucking jersey to every home game. And I'm like, fine. You know, up here, I'm like triple layers. Fucking it's negative three degrees out. I can't feel my hand shoveling my driveway. So it's a it's a different world. But it, it, there there comes a point where. Like Max is right, we're not an attractive destination when you compare us to the NFC West, when you compare us to, uh, you know, a Miami or a Tampa Bay or something like that. And so you've got to do something that sets us apart, and that's got to be throwing money at guys. Yep. I, I know that, you know, like Viscotti is clearly willing to go into his pockets and pay. If you listen to him talk about Lamar Jackson, he knows Lamar Jackson's going to make him 10 times more money than what he pays him. I think, La- and, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Drew. I was going to say, like, I, I think that Viscotti can be you know, persuaded to pay for some of these big name guys. And that's how you're going to get them to come here. It's no longer, like you said, you know, it's not Ray Lewis is not on the team. Ed Reed is not on the team and money is what talks now. And, and to, to further the, um, the attractiveness of the destination, that point there, um, the old legacy teams, it's hard for us even being 27 years young to, to compete with a brand like the the Packers, the Giants, the Raiders, these old teams from back in the day, even the AFL, uh, NFL pre-merger, um, just because a lot of these kids grew up watching the teams that their parents watched and rooted for. Um, we don't have that history. So if you're not going to be able to give the prestige, the relative prestige that the other teams give off, yeah, you've got to throw money at the problem. And we are very we've always been very reticent to do that because we've not had very many big free agent splashes. We've certainly signed some guys who are quality, but, you know, a good example is Anquan Bolden. I love Anquan Bolden, probably my favorite receivers aside from Steve Smith. But he was not a top tier name at the time that we acquired him. He was certainly, you know, top 10, top 15 ability talent that hadn't played a full year in four years. Um, He played like 12 games a year and. Uh, Arizona was looking to get out from underneath his contract because they wanted to pay Larry Fitzgerald. And so we threw a fourth-round pick at him, and they gave him to us, and we extended him for, you know, it was like decent money we paid him, but it was all incentive. I think it was like 20, like I think that. it was three years, 28 million, if I remember Yeah, correctly. it was, you know, and it was, it was. Back I was then, was that, was, that, was a pretty, that was pretty good money for, for the market back then. But also, he's also one of those guys, he's one of those guys that wasn't like we went and got like, oh, man, let's go get the number one free agent. That guy was, let's go get a guy who looks like a raven plays like a raven that's what it always is and it just turned out that he really hit on every possible way so we you know there's we want those those guys who are ravens but a lot of times that means that they are like they have value and you don't have to overspend on them and we need to at some point we need to get away from that at least for one or two guys because if you get one or two of those guys then other people will follow and incidentally, for our younger fans who weren't fans around the time or were too young to remember, Anquan Bolden was never a thousand yard receiver for us because we didn't need one. He was not. No, right. He, so, he so was again. exactly. He was a guy that you were just talking about earlier. Move the chains guy. That was like if you watch that that play, Joe, Joe Flacco's magical playoff run. Every time we needed a first down on third down, back shoulder, Anquan Bolden. It was like he didn't even look. He just threw it, and Anquan was ready for it. And it, and he was the ultimate fifty fifty ball guy. Never lost one. And and to put a nice neat bow on my end for it, look, to all the stat hounds and everyone who's so focused on 1,000-yard receivers and 4,000-yard passers, the only stats that matter are touchdowns and first downs. And, and finally wins. wins, of course. So bottom line is, as long as you're putting points up on the scoreboard, I don't care how you do it, just do it. You could be one yard out from the goal line, but if you're scoring five touchdowns in a game, hell yeah, you, you're, you're a gamer. It. But right. no, it, it's it's I'm sick of this whole mindset that PFF helped cultivate and Twitter, of course, you know, the, these fake analysts that you have to hit these metrics in order to be considered a quality player. Because at the end of the day, how often have we seen a league MVP win a Super Bowl? It, 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 and I'm talking historically, I think three uh, or four times. Totally. Exactly. And and we've had what? We're at 56 Super Bowls at 57, something like that. Yeah. Yep. MVP so, so is like it's a consolation here. prize. Yeah. yeah, so I, I don't care if you are the rushing king or a league leader in any way, shape, or form. As long as you are scoring touchdowns and winning games and moving the chains, that is all I want out of any player. Bottom line. Agreed. Same. Yeah, I don't give. Def- actually, I don't even give a fuck if the defense 
holds the the opposing team scoreless and Justin Tucker kicks eight field goals and we win that way every fucking week. Fine with by me. I don't give a shit. I want to win the game. Wasn't that how we beat the Lions on Monday Night Football? Uh, how many years ago? Back in twenty thirteen. Yeah, it was some ridiculous score. And Tyler lost, lost to the Colts in what was it, 2006, 2006 and they lost yeah. the Colts in the playoffs. I legit almost cried after that game because like I was like a senior in high school or something like that. And like that was that was not a good time for me. No. Yeah, not not a fun loss. Yeah, we held Peyton Manning to one touchdown and we still uh didn't. Yeah. Can we get to our Twitter QA? Yeah, let's hit the Twitter QA. Roast some roast some people. Yeah, I don't think we got any. Uh, well, actually, we got some legitimate questions here, but um, they can all fucking die. So, um, <laughs> anybody who fell for that shit, why would I ever ask for any of your questions? Like, why the fuck would you ever respond to me in a you know normal fashion? All right. So our first one is from um, Purple XX Ace James. Asked me how many glizzies can I fit in my mouth at once. Uh, that's a <laughs> that's a great question. To, uh, yeah, that's a response to Will's fake news nonsense that he uh, spread about me about being a fucking umpire for um, whatever that meme baseball team is. That happened. Uh, that actually, that was the last time I recorded that was when that news broke that you are an umpire in Savannah and you eat uh, hot dogs through the the mesh the net behind. There was another. There was another video of that umpire doing some very um, questionable activities that you have not uncovered yet, thankfully. Because <laughs> uh, I've I've been waiting for that to show up on my timeline. For well, last, now I'm uh, gonna week. go find it. Yeah, I mean it's it's really not that hard to find, but yeah, um, I've been waiting for that, and I was just I kept my mouth shut. But you know, you can feel free to go find that. <laughs> All right, so I got a uh, serious question here from Visionless Dave. Uh, Visionless Dave is a huge Kirk Minahan fan. Um, yeah, so he's kind of a dangerous human being. So I'm gonna be somewhat nice to him. Um, he did ask if it was a coincidence that our two greatest players in franchise history were Miami Hurricanes. Um, I always have love for the Hurricanes because of Ed Reed and Ray Lewis, so I'll, I'll let that one slide. He's also a Tyron Matthew hater. He's a Chiefs fan, uh, so thinks that Tyron Matthew sucks. Uh, so, Dave, fuck you. And then he asked if the Chiefs are the king of the AFC, and they're not. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty clear on that one. I think we're going to win the AFC next year. So Damn anybody fucking else right. Feel, anybody else can feel free to weigh in on that one. Um, we, kind of, we kind of answered Garrison's question. Um, he asked us what the threshold of becoming emotionally attached to one's dinner is. And so if you just read Adam B. Moore's timeline when he talks about his, you know, dead chickens that got eaten by a fox because he's a fucking, you know, shitty protector of his animals, like, that's that's probably the line. You don't want to be that emotionally attached. Irresponsible to property and livestock owner. Yeah. I mean, fucking close the gate and the fox is not going to get in. It's not that hard. Well, my thing is, is if you have the fucking chickens and you're harvesting their eggs, but you're going to let your kids name the chickens, are you going to tell your kids that they're eating baby chickens? Right. Like, you yeah, can't just, just pick and choose. Kind of a dick move. You know, don't lie to kids. All right, so I, I got a string. I got a string of questions here from uh, two two morons that I know. Uh, so one of them's name is Foxman. He asked, "Which Ravens player needs to develop that killer mentality like Ray Lewis had?" Um, Foxman is a big fan of bringing up the Ray Lewis double murder. Um, I hope somebody murders his family, but you, know, you don't have to cut that one, Max. So I, I've threatened him online a lot of times. And then the uh, there's no to such that, thing. There's no such thing as a Ray Lewis double murder. By the way, well, I mean, he was he was accused of it, and then the charges were dropped. And you know, unfortunately, Foxman probably can't read, so I'm, I'm guessing that that's why he missed that. Um, so then, my my buddy Tom, Tom was in my wedding party. Um, I was the best man in his wedding. He can go fuck himself. He said, "Follow up to this: Which running back needs to develop the ability to drag bodies back after initial contact, like Ray Rice?" Um, I would just tell him to meet me in an elevator. That's and, right. You know, good answer. Yeah, any, any, and then another one was, uh, you know, so Foxman then followed up that with great question. Another one, which is the Ravens' Mount Rushmore of wide receivers? He listed Lee Evans, Marquise Brown, James Proche, and Brashad Perriman. Uh, um, I would just say that, you know, Foxman's a Packers fan, so your best wide receiver in franchise history just left to go play for the uh, fourth-best team in the AFC West. So uh, I don't know how that makes you feel about your own franchise. Maybe maybe leave James Proche alone. Leave that to me. You know, Jokes Machine James, I can make fun of that guy. That's right. Are we getting any other good ones here? Oh, um, Zach asked me, is there any chance that Lindsay OKKK leaves the clan? No. Um, I, I don't know if we're allowed to publicly comment on that one. I, I, I've, I've had some questions asked about her clan affiliations. Um, I can't confirm or deny where she was on January 6th, and I'm not sure what she does with honor weekends. Uh, I'll just leave it at that, I think. Look, and it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it's a fucking duck. Let's see. I mean, it's just... just the tweets are out there. They're out there. Yeah. 
the tweets are out there and you know if if people want to connect dots they're more than welcome to do that you won't be the only one you're among friends if you want to connect that dot that she's part of the clan um you know it's it's not there i don't know what to say i, I i'm not it's not, our, it's not our place to say it's not our place no to i'm say. just this is analysis we're 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 real analysts some people analyze football i just analyze real life tweets and come to conclusions about them so all right, and then I got one more question from Jack. Um, Jack asked me, how can an average male avoid going bald in their mid-20s like you? Um, the only mid-20s here is uh, the number of accusers for Deshaun Watson, who Jack is a huge fan of. Um, I'm not mid-20s, so, you know, just a lot of wrong wrong questions being asked by Jack there. Um, you know, anybody else who wants to ask us questions for future episodes, just know that we're just going to make fun of you for, like, 20 minutes. That's how we'll end our episodes. Yeah, just, you know, from now on, if you want to tweet me stupid shit, like, I'm more than welcome to uh, address that here. Um, I think we're going to have to, you know, cut this short soon, because Will and I have to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to make fun of people. I don't well, know if you guys knew that, but that's what Will and I do. Damn we, right. Uh, we wake up at 7 in the morning to make fun of people, instead of waking up at 7 in the morning to check timelines of people you have blocked and then tweet fake news to your super followers. We're talking yeah. about you, Lindsay. That's just, right. just an FYI. I put a name to that. You can go fuck yourself. Fucking psychopath. <laughs> well, anyway, that's going to do it for this week's installment of the Zone 32 podcast. We'll be back at another date. In the meantime, I'm going to make a noise. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller, the infamous Drew. Zone, Zone 32.